We are going to continue our series here in John, John chapter 21. Uh, so if you've lost your place, you can go back to that. Have you ever, have you ever felt the release of being forgiven? It, it's, it's an amazing thing. Uh, there was one point when I got a brand new job. It was my first day at a, a mill workshop um, where we were living. Um, I, had, I had worked at a mill shop previously. I'd done that for about a year and a half or so. I got laid off from that position and was looking for uh, another job. And uh, this place, I had gone in with my resume and, you know, I think I had been pretty honest on my resume. Um, but what I discovered was my new boss thought that I knew things that maybe I didn't quite know so well. Um, so I got there my first day and um, get kind of oriented. And the boss gives me these sets of plans for this L-shaped table that he wanted me to make and said, here you go, go make this. And while I had worked at this other mill workshop, um, I was more of the, the laboring type where I was helping. I never was given a project and just had to make it all happen myself. Um, it was... I was always there to help somebody else. And, and, and actually at the other mill shop where I worked, we all kind of did a little part. Everybody would do a little piece and then pass it on to the next person. And they would take and do their little piece and pass it on to the next person. This was the first time that I had ever had a whole project and said, go and do this. Um, but I was confident. I figured I could, I had been involved in, in most of these kinds of, in most of the stuff that was necessary to, to make this. So I was feeling pretty good that I could pull this off. I started going and it was a new shop, uh, some different ways of doing things. One of the things that was, that was different was in our old shop, we had this machine that would put a tongue and a groove onto different, uh, different pieces so that you could join them together that way. Um, this place didn't have the shape or it didn't. And so there was a different process that they would use to join two pieces. In order to get this L shape, I needed two sheets of plywood that would then come together and join to make this, uh, this table L shape. Um, so, you know, I was trying to figure out their way of doing things. So my mind was going through all that and, and, um, feeling a little bit excited, but, but still a little bit cautious that I didn't want to make any mistakes or anything. And, uh, got the pieces together, got the, the oak trim, uh, all for the edging of the table and, and got the laminate, um, on there and all that kind of stuff. Everything was in place and, and it almost got it to a finished stage by the end of the day and was feeling really good, except there was something in the back of my head that just was kind of niggling away saying, yeah, that just made me feel a little bit uneasy. And, uh, Denise came and picked me up after work and uh, driving home and just talking about the day and was saying how good I was feeling. But still, there was just this something that was niggling away. And God had supper, went to bed. As I was laying down to bed and just kind of falling off to sleep, all of a sudden, I sat upright in bed and I realized what I had done wrong. 
in joining those two pieces together, because there was a new process that I wasn't used to, I was so focused on on learning the new process that I had inadvertently flipped the table around so that instead of going like this, it went like this. And, oh, I felt sick because it would have had to, all of the laminate was on there already. There was already oak pieces that were on it to fit it the wrong way rather than the right way. It would, as far as I thought, it would have to scrap the whole thing basically and start all over again. And I woke up Denise and said, I'd made this mistake. And I just felt sick. And I said, do I have to go back in tomorrow morning? I could just never go back in. I don't have any tools there. Just never go back to work and and pretend like that never happened. And she said, no, no, you got to go back. So the next morning, sheepishly walked into my boss's office and said, I'm sorry. I realized when I got home that I had made this mistake I think we're going to have to start from scratch. I just felt awful. I had a good boss. And he said, oh, you know what? That's no problem. We can do this and this and this and this and this, and it'll fix it all up and we'll be back in business. And just the relief and the release of being forgiven. Here I thought that I had messed up all of this material that I had cost the company all of this money. And uh, he just, he was so kind and so gentle about that and said, no problem, we can make this work. And there was just this weight that came off of me. That's the kind of release that we feel when we recognize that God gives us another chance. That in the midst of our mistakes, our failures, our pride, our rejection of Him, that He still is there loving us and extending another chance to us. That's, that's what Peter is experiencing here. This isn't the first mistake that Peter's ever made. There's a couple of, of times in, in, in what we have accounts in Scripture of his missteps that he made. You remember uh, that there was the uh, uh, the time when they were up on the Mount of Transfiguration, where where they had seen Jesus and and Moses and Elijah up there, and and Peter was just so excited. He said, "Let's set up some tents and just stay here forever." Totally missing what Jesus was saying, and Jesus said. No, we need to come down off the mountain. We need to get back down into the ministry. We can't just stay up here in the spiritual high. You remember that that time when Jesus started talking to his disciples about how he was going to be crucified and how he would have to suffer and die. And Peter came up to him and said, Jesus, you can't talk about these things. He was, Jesus, uh, Peter was rebuking Jesus saying, yeah, you need to just be quiet about that stuff. That's not ever going to happen. And, and what was Jesus' response? Satan, get thee behind me. You do not understand the things, the plans that my Father has for me. Remember just a, a, a few nights before how Peter, there in the garden, as there is this 
crowd of soldiers that came and to arrest Jesus. And what did Peter do? Pull out this sword and whack off somebody's ear. All of these points that Peter had made these mistakes. Um, this wasn't just a second chance that Jesus was giving to Peter. This was another chance, another opportunity to, to, to make up for another opportunity to receive the grace of of God in his life and to experience uh, forgiveness and 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 God's love and his his trust in his um giving giving uh, the opportunity to serve and to be in a position of of importance as a disciple You'll notice as we read through this passage how many similarities there are in this reinstatement of Peter as there are to the actual denial that Peter went through there at the, the night of Jesus' arrest. Uh, one of the, the key things, you remember last week Cody was talking about how Jesus already had a fire going. And what kind of a fire was it? It was a charcoal fire that was burning there on the beach ready for, ready for the fish to be cooked for breakfast. Where was the place that Peter, one of the first um, times where he denied Jesus, was standing around in the temple courts around a charcoal fire? Um, Another thing that, that, that we remember, the, uh, Peter's denial happened early in the morning, right before the first crow of the rooster. When did this reinstatement happen? Right early in the morning, right at breakfast time, as, as the disciples were coming there, bringing their fish in from, uh, uh, from, their, from their fishing trip. Uh, there are, how many times does Jesus ask Peter, do you love me? Three times. How many times did Peter deny Jesus? Three times. There are all these connections. And then Jesus, after that third moment of, of saying, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. He then goes and tells Peter about the certainty of his suffering. Let's look at that passage again. Uh, in, in verse 18, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will what? Stretch out your hands. Talking about Peter's crucifixion. What was just happened after Peter's denial? Jesus was crucified. He goes on to say, Another will dress you and will carry you where you do not want to go. Jesus being led up to Golgotha. Um, to the place where he would be, where he would be crucified. Uh, the certainty of suffering was both there at the denial as well as here in in the the reinstatement of Peter. All of these different similarities. <clears throat> God wanted to make sure Jesus was 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 making certain that Peter understood that. That that mistake that he had made, that denial that he had gone through, those three denials that, that he had that he had uttered there at that moment, were once and all forgiven, dealt with. Jesus matched that same encounter as closely as he could, so that there would be no doubt in Peter's mind that this that his statement of 
Do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Was directly related to his time where he says, I don't know him. Never heard of him. I think that's some way that that God works in our lives. We don't have to have a question about whether God has forgiven us or not. We don't have to live in an uncertainty of whether God's forgiveness means all that we have done or just part of what we have done or, or, or just a, a, a few of the things that we have done. God's forgiveness is certain for all of our sin. All of the sin that we have committed in the past, in the present, even in the, the future, the sins that we will commit, God has already paid for those and through Jesus Christ washed us of, of the penalty of all of those, of all of those sins. Jesus wants us to know of the certainty of His grace that covers all of that we have done, all of our rebellion and, and, um, and rejection of Him. How many of us today feel disqualified for service, for love of God, for being able to minister to others because of mistakes that have happened in our lives? How many times have we discounted ourselves from being able to enjoy fully the blessings of God because of some mistakes that we have made in our life? Jesus wants us to experience that release of forgiveness, that relief of knowing that that there is nothing that stands in our way of having a relationship with Him, of, of being qualified to serve Him, to be trusted with the responsibility of serving and discipling others. None of us has done anything that would disqualify us from being able to be used by God to feed and to tend His sheep. It is a wonderful promise that each one of us needs to receive and claim for ourselves that that forgiveness has come to us and is complete it is total it is it it erases all that has happened in the past and sets us on a course for serving and worshiping god in our lives but there's something else that i think uh, that just is as I was reading this passage and studying it here this week, uh, something else that I think we can take from it that's important for us to recognize. If that's the kind of forgiveness that God has given to us, that He would allow us to experience that release of the guilt, of the shame of our mistakes and our missteps before Him, and that's also the kind of forgiveness that He requires us, that He wants us to be able to extend to others. Those that have, that have had mistakes directed towards us, that have done hurtful things to us. 
that have broken our trust, that, that have, that have uh, undermined who we are, that have, that have been hurtful to us, that we would be able to extend that same kind of forgiveness that, that doesn't leave any question whether there's a little part of, of, of bitterness or, or anger or hurt that still is remaining. That, that we have washed that record clean. That there is nothing that is held against us anymore. And that they can, uh, can then be welcomed into relationship with us, uh, to serve with us, to, to move on together in, in ministry and in mission, focusing on, on building the church and, and accomplishing the, the mission that Jesus Christ has given each and every one of us to do. You remember the question that Peter asked Jesus when Jesus was talking about forgiveness. Peter said, how many times should I forgive my brother? Jesus' response was to say 70 times 7 or 70 times or however you want to understand that particular passage. What he was saying was, an unlimited amount of time. Seven is a perfect number in Scripture. And so it, it, he used that, that image of 70 times seven or 77 times in order for us to be able to understand that it was a complete, that we are called to, to, to forgive people completely as many times as they would hurt and, and offend us. That's really hard to do. And for some people, their offense against us makes it really, really hard for us to be able to forgive completely and totally like that. In fact, I, I, I would suggest that, that in our human way of thinking, there would be many people who would say it would be wrong to forgive somebody to that point where you absolutely um, leave behind any hurt and embrace them again and put yourself in a place where you are vulnerable, where they have opportunity to hurt you again. A human forgiveness would say, yes, you can forgive. It's important for you to give so that you don't harbor bitterness. But it is wisdom not to put yourself in a place to be hurt by that person again. That's not the kind of forgiveness that Jesus extends to Peter. That's not the kind of forgiveness that, that Jesus has extended to each and every one of us. Jesus then went on, when he was talking to Peter and responding to him about forgiveness, went on to talk about that parable of the unforgiving servant. About how the servant who owed this insurmountable sum to the king. And he was brought before him and, and demanded that he pay back this, uh, this debt that he owed. And the man fell before the king and said, there's no way that I could ever pay this. And what did the king do? He wiped away the debt completely. He didn't wipe away the majority of the debt and then just leave the amount, a, a reasonable amount that that person could pay. No, he totally set the debt aside 
Nothing left to pay. And then that servant went out, found somebody else who owed him a few bucks and demanded that he pay. And when he couldn't pay, threw that man in jail and and did all of these horrible things. Jesus' point in that whole parable is if our God has forgiven us an insurmountable sum, an insurmountable debt that we would have in our lives, how much more do we need to forgive those who have offended us for such a paltry little amount? God's grace, God's forgiveness for us extends to the limit. Extends to every every teeny iota of sin and rejection and has dealt with once and for all. How could we do any less for those that He brings into our lives? That's not something that you are going to be able to do on your own. And I know as you think in your life of the people that have hurt you, who have taken advantage of you, who who have misused your trust, who have abused your good graces and hurt you. To think about putting yourself in a place to be vulnerable to that person again is unthinkable. I agree. You cannot do that. But with the Holy Spirit in your life, by trusting in the Lord to lead and guide you, He will empower you to extend that level of forgiveness to those who have hurt you. And as you walk by the Spirit moment by moment, trusting that He is leading and guiding you, and when He shows you the, the opportunity for you to forgive that person, that you would say, Lord, I can't do this. And yet, in faith, I step forward and I say, I forgive. That the Holy Spirit will come into your life, that He will transform your heart and he will make you new in Christ Jesus and and you will be able to embrace that person to extend that forgiveness and to walk shoulder to shoulder with them in mission and ministry and following Jesus wherever it is that he would lead you it's impossible And yet through the Lord, it becomes not just possible, but inevitable. Will you trust Him? Will you put yourself in that place of extending that kind of forgiveness to others? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, There are the faces of people in my life who have hurt me. 
uh, going through my head right now. And it is, it is a struggle for me to come to a place to say, I forgive you totally. And to put myself in a place to be vulnerable before these people again. And yet I see not only that's what you do, but I hear that's where you are leading me. That you are calling me to do that very same kind of love and forgiveness that you extend into my life. So this morning, Lord, I say, I believe, help my unbelief. I step forward in faith and forgive those. And I, help, I ask that you would help me to find opportunities to extend that level of love and grace and forgiveness into those people's lives. Would you be doing that in our hearts, Lord? Would you be working in our midst? I know here in this group of people uh, that even here amongst us, there are hurts. There are um, offenses that we are hanging on to. We need your help to be able to let those go. We want to be a people that are characterized and defined as those who love like you love. So we need your help with that, Lord. Work within us. Accomplish your plans and purpose. Lead and guide us and show us how and where and when that we can extend that love and forgiveness. And today, we say we trust you. And we follow stepping out in faith that you will do the transformation of our heart to make that possible. Thank you. Amen.